Enough of the fun stuff. Enough being friendly. We don't do that too much in church. Look at that. You're so obedient. I love it. Hey, let me add to the welcome. It's great to have you here. Yeah, if you don't know who I'm, I'm Brad's dad. That's my, that's my claim to fame. And while he's away, he said, Dad, would you like to have a go at preaching? So I thought I'd give it a go. And um, he gave me John 7. And I said, there's no worries, you know, I'm a pretty experienced pastor and preacher. And, and then I read John 7 and I've gone, thanks. <laughs> now I know. So we're continuing our series in John and we're going to do the whole chapter of John 7. Um, but we won't be reading it all because it's, uh, it's a long chapter and it's a, it's a long story and we'll, we'll go through it and um, we'll uh, pick out what we can. It's, um, it's one, of those one of those passages in Scripture you would read quickly and then move on to John 8 and go, that was a nice story, but we'll try and work out what it's saying to us today as, uh, as we gather. Let me just read the first 13 verses to set the tone of what John 7 uh, is about. John 7, first, first, verse 1, first 13 verses. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, proposing, proposing, purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews were waiting to take his life. But when the Jewish feast of the tabernacle was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, The right time for me has not yet come. For you, for you any time is right. The world cannot hate you. But it hates me because I testify that what, is, what it does is evil. You go to the feast. I am not yet going up to the feast because for me the right time has not yet come. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his disciples had left for the feast, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the feast of the Jews were watching for him and asking, where is that man? Among the crowds, there was a widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for the fear of the Jews. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. May it guide us this morning. May it encourage us and may it speak to us. Because we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This whole chapter is about what happened at the festival of the tabernacles in, in, uh, in John 7. And Jesus went there secretly and then started to teach in the temple uh, halfway through the festival and then got up on the last day of the festival and said some pretty uh, amazing things and challenging things for those who were there. Some of you might ask, what's the festival of the tabernacles? And if you don't understand that, then you actually uh, won't get the message of what John 7 is about. When I first read it, I've gone, John, what were you thinking? 
Jesus did a lot of more interesting things, exciting things. Why didn't you put those stories in? This one's just a bit ho-hum. Just another day in the life of turmoil and Jesus, you know, brothers not believing in him and Pharisees trying to attack him and people getting upset with him. It's just a typical another day. But if you understand the festival of the tabernacle, then it actually adds to the context of why this story is so important. The feast of, there's seven feasts of, of the Jews, we call it, although God calls them his feasts. They're not feasts of the Jews, they're God's feasts. And the feast of the tabernacle is the last one. It's, and uh, it's important to understand that. Each feast sort of points to the past, the present, and the future. And, and we need to understand what is the festival of the tabernacle? What's it celebrating? What's it causing us to do? And what's it looking forward to? And you put that into context, then we understand it. This feast is the seventh feast in the calendar. There's only seven, so it's the last one. It's held in the seventh month and it goes for seven days. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you'll understand that seven's pretty significant. Seven days of creation. Seven talks about completion. Seven talks about what God has completed. And the festival of tabernacle points to completion. The past of, of um, the, the tabernacle... Sorry, before I get to that, there's two other feasts before this directly before this, in the seventh month. This starts on the 15th. On the first of the month is the uh, festival or the feast of the trumpet, where the big ram's horn, the shofar is blowing. And, and someone stands up and he blows this horn as a call to repentance, to tell the nation, it is time to confess your sins, turn away from what you, the evil you've been doing, and point your face towards God. So that happened two weeks prior to this festival starting. Then on the 10th day, I think it is, there is a day of atonement where the priest comes and makes a sacrifice so that your sins that you've confessed will be forgiven. And, and all the Jews have just gone through the trumpet and the atonement and now they're celebrating the tabernacle. And the tabernacle points back to, the Feast of the Tabernacle points back to when Moses and Israel were journeying through the wilderness and they lived in what they called booths. We'd call them tents. And they walked for 40 days and pitching their tent at, at night, then uh, having camp and then moving on the next day. Sometimes I'd stay for a little while, following the pillar of, of um, smoke and fire. And we, we know that, that story quite well. It's celebrating the fact that God was dwelling with them in the sense of the folk and the, smite, and, the, and the fire. And God provided for them in food and direction. And Israel is to celebrate that when they were taken out of captivity into freedom, into their own land. The future of this uh, feast points towards when Jesus comes again a second time. 
when Jesus comes to dwell permanently with his family, with his nation, with his people. But we find ourselves in the midst, in the present. For us, it's an acknowledgement that Jesus is still with us, providing what we need and direction that we need. That's our focus. We celebrate what he's done in the past and we look forward to what he's doing in the future, but we need to recognise what he's doing right here, right now. And I think sometimes we can miss that. We, we can do our studies and we can, we can look, at, look at the Bible and see what it says to us and we can look to the future, but we don't stop long enough and pause as to what Jesus is doing for us now and where he's involved in our life now. John 7, that's the context of, of what John 7's in and, and it comes out of the, the, the passage that I read that said, his brothers are going, come on bro, come down to the festival and show yourself. You say, that you say you're the Messiah, you're doing some great things, well, come and show off. Come and make yourself an important person. You notice the, um, the claim that they said, if you want to become a public figure, if, if you read all the rest of the Gospels in the New Testament, that's the last thing Jesus wanted to become, is a public figure. But that was the... That was the, 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 the teaser. You, you want to become important? You want to become public? Then come and show off. Everyone's focused on the temple and everyone's focused on the festival of tabernacle. Come and do your thing. And Jesus said, my time has not yet come. And here is the tension in scripture that often happens. The now and the not yet. Jesus has come, but he hasn't come. He's come as God-man for a temporary, but the tabernacle, the feast of the tabernacle looks to the time when he comes permanently. And he says, my time hasn't come yet. I'm not going to be with you forever, but I'll come back. And that's exactly what this festival is all about. But halfway through, Jesus goes, I'm going to sneak in the back door and I'll just turn up without any fanfare I'm not going to do miracles. You guess what the brother wants? Come and do your acts, you know. Put on your performance. Sell some tickets and, uh, you know, do a couple of miracles. He says, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand in the temple and teach you what this is all about. And everyone in the temple is going, because he's not trained. He hasn't sat under a rabbi for years and years and learnt the law. No one knows where he did his studies or where he got his, his information from, but yet he teaches like they've never heard before. And he says things that obviously make a lot of sense, that obviously touch their heart because they're going, he teaches like I've never heard. Where did he get this information? They don't reject it. 
whenever they talk about Jesus' teaching, notice they never say, he's a wombat, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He says all these things. They always say, his teaching is amazing. So it, it, it does something here for them, but yet they can't quite work out how he got that information, how he got that teaching. As I said earlier, this whole feast is about God dwelling with us. And that's where John started his gospel, didn't he? In John 1, it says, you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And later on in verse 14, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And here is Jesus fulfilling that at the festival of the tabernacle. Here it is happening. And yet, they still weren't seeing it. The feast was about identifying the Messiah who was coming, God who was coming. That was their focus. It was like having a convention saying, let's see if we can find the Messiah. And the Messiah turns up and they're saying, let's see if we can find the Messiah. And the Messiah teaches and they're saying, let's see if we can find the Messiah. You sort of shake your head sometimes, don't you? And you go, how did they miss it? How did they miss it? So this week, in John 7, not this week, in 2023, 24. This week in John 7, every day a priest would go down to the pool of Siloam with a golden bowl scoop up some water, carry it back to the temple with a bit of an entourage, people watching, and get to the altar and just pour it out on the side of the altar. That was a part of the ritual. But on the seventh day, he would go down to the pool of Siloam, scoop the water up, get to the altar, and he would walk around the altar you guessed it, seven times. And then he would pour the water out. And as he did that, the crowd that gathered would shout. You would have heard this phrase before. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they would shout that and shout it and shout it. Hosanna! God saves us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what's on everybody's lips this whole week. And yet God is in the midst of them and they miss it. There is, there is no other topic this week than the coming Messiah. And he's there in their midst and they miss it. It's interesting that the Pool of Siloam is mentioned in John 9, and we'll get to that in the series, depending on how fast the senior pastor goes through John. Um, I'm going a lot faster than he is been going. Let me say, I'm doing a whole chapter in, in one Sunday. He's been going a bit slower. But anyway, I won't criticise him. He's, he's a good bike. Trained well. Anyway. John 9 talks about the Pool of Siloam and the significance of it 
where Jesus told the blind man to go and wash so he would receive sight. And I think that should not be lost on us this morning, that that's where the water comes from, cleansing the altar almost, cleansing the people, washing over everything that the people are focused on. The whole of chapter 7, the whole of chapter 7 is focused on asking us the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Brothers say, he's my brother who's trying to be a public person. That's all he is. That's all he is. Jesus says, my time hasn't completely come yet. I'm here amongst you, but my time has not yet come. Jesus does go around very quietly, blowing the trumpet of repentance, saying, repent. And he does have a sacrifice when he offers himself on the cross for the sacrifice of sins yours and mine that he says you need to repent and I'll give you everything you need to do that everything you need to do that because I will die for your sins no longer will a, a lamb need to be slaughtered by a priest for your, for your sins that I will be slaughtered once and for all for the whole of the world. But on the final day of this feast, Jesus stands up in the temple after the pool of Siloam, water has been poured out. And in, verse, in chapter 7, verses 37 and 38, he says this, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from, him, from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. People were saying after this, he must be a prophet. He must be a prophet. And something, oh, he must be a teacher. He must be a teacher. Some were saying, oh, I think he's the Messiah. I think he's the one who is supposed to be coming. I think he's the one that we are here looking forward to the one who we celebrate, the one who is promised to come to us and this is what this festival is all about. I think he's the one. Even one of their own, Nicodemus, who, who is prominent around Jesus' death also, who was a Pharisee, said, 
to the other Pharisees, what's going on? Do you think? He didn't declare, but he definitely asked them questions that they didn't want to hear because they said, you need to go back and study, young man. He comes from Galilee and nothing good comes out of Galilee. So the whole chapter asks us one question. Who is Jesus? Now, we we could all go and say, well, the preacher says he's the Messiah. The pastor says he's the Messiah. The small group leader says he's the Messiah. The world says they're all interesting answers. But it's not not the question that John is asking. It's the same question that's asked in Matthew of Peter. But who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? In the middle of John 7, Jesus says, they'll know that I, where I come from if they follow my teaching. If they put into practice what I say, they'll know who I am. How we live our life declares what we think of who Jesus is. And this festival is about acknowledging that Jesus is our provider and our guide. Is that who we rely on? I know it's easy to say, yeah, yeah, that's the right answer. But is, is that how we live our life? Is that how I live my life? Do I rely on him to guide me? I know when I'm in need, I yell out and go, God, you better provide because you are the great provider. I need this from you. I need strength. I need healing. I need support. I need patience. I need grace. I need that stuff from you. We're all good at asking for that. But I know I'm not as good at asking about guidance. I know, I know where my diary is telling me to go. I open my phone in the morning. It says I've got an appointment here. I've got to go there. I've got to drive here. I've got to do that. And, and I just do it. But, but what about the bigger pictures of life? How often do we stop and go, God, what do you want me to do? All the small things in life. Who, who do you want me to support? Who do you want me to love? Who do you want me to mingle with in the three minutes that we have? You know, we can waste that three minutes. I know it's, a, it's one of my hobby horses, even though I had nothing to do with it. I think it's a fantastic opportunity for the church to be church. And I want to I challenge you a little bit in the three minutes. Don't sit down. You've been asked nicely by someone very nice up here saying, just mingle. Now, I'm an introvert and I can do it, okay? Um, you might say, you can't, you're not an introvert. I am. You ask my family, I'm an introvert. I, I function outside as an extrovert sometimes, but it costs me, and that's all right. But I'm an introvert, so I, but I can still go and say hello to somebody. I can still do that. 
and, and I'm fairly introverted, so that, that's challenging. You know, it's not hard. People are all here to, to do something with God. They're, they're pretty nice people. They might have some interesting things, but they're all going to say hello. They're all going to say hello back and, and so use that. And, and if you're online, that three minutes, you can't mingle too much. But my encouragement to you online is to say, hey, who can I send a text message to encourage? Who can I send a message to to say hello to? Or if you can't do it there and then say, who can I catch up with this week that I can mingle with? Maybe you can do that in your three minutes online um, while you're making your cup of tea. But the, the important thing is, who is Jesus? Is he your provider? Is he your guide? Do we need to reset that? Because he can be amongst us and we can miss it. Jesus died for you and for me so that we can have provision and guidance in our life that we so desperately need. I hope as we reflect on the tabernacle this week, God dwelling with us, that that be your experience and that be your prayer. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that Jesus came for us, that Jesus died for us and dwells with us, tabernacles with us. Father, may we recognise that this week and may we answer the question of who Jesus is for us. Is he just a good person? Or is he our saviour, our redeemer, our provider and our guide? Father, we want to allow you to speak to us in the remainder of this service and throughout the week as to who Jesus is for us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.